You know, there, there is no other name. There is no other name but the name of Jesus that has power like his name. So when we, when we exalt Jesus, when we lift up his name, things happen. You know, we were at the, we had a spontaneous prayer, uh, meeting for our city on Wednesday. And, uh, the one, the one thing, the one theme that was there was everybody was lifting up the name of Jesus. Every single person, you're, yeah, that should happen in prayer meeting, but it doesn't always happen in those city-wide public prayer meetings. It, it didn't happen recently in another place where there was a, a gathering. And uh, Jesus' name was carefully not mentioned. Because there, there's something about that name. <laughs> I was either old enough to know that song. There's a song that goes with that. I mean, young enough, whatever. <laughs> mature enough so you know there's just something about the name of jesus i mean you can talk about a general god you can talk about a higher power you can talk about the man upstairs or something like that but when you get specific when you get specific things happen things change you stir up things sometimes people get upset i mean have you ever just wondered why some people get upset if you talk about jesus more than even if you just say a general God. Not that you can't say God. I'm not saying, you know, we're not trying to just force it. But, you know, when you mention Jesus. You know, it's like in the book of Acts when they told them. They said, hey, don't, don't talk anymore in that name. <laughs> you can talk about all kinds of other stuff. But, hey, just don't mention Jesus anymore. And so... Look, the, the world and, and the powers of darkness, they, they don't want the name of Jesus out there because they know that when you're speaking the name of Jesus, he is, he is now the ruler of the earth. I mean, he's now the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's rightfully ruling and reigning the earth as a God and man still forever. 100% God, 100% man. Because humans were given charge of the earth, so only a human can truly be king of the earth. That's why Jesus, one of the reasons Jesus had, he couldn't just come as God. He had to become a human being. And because he was a sinless human being, and he died for something that he was punished for the sin that he did not commit. And then he was raised to life again, as we sang about several times. And then it says that he ascended. And when he ascended, he was ascending to a throne. He was ascending to a place of authority and power. And so we get to draw on that authority and power because before he left, he said to his disciples, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a disciple. And he was talking to you that day, just you weren't born yet. And he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore you go. In other words, I am releasing you in my authority to go do what I've called you to do. And so anytime we're operating in God's kingdom, we've got the authority of Jesus. We can step out and do our own thing, and that's, we don't have Jesus, but anytime we're doing Jesus' work, the, the heart, with the heart of Jesus, the hands of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the vision of Jesus, the words of Jesus, we have His authority backing us. You know, I think we're getting to a day and age now 
At some point, I'm going to take a drink of this. Um, <laughs> anybody getting distracted by me waving a water bottle around? I know the other preachers are. Uh, <laughs> you know, we're getting to a day and age where at some point, we're heading in that direction where it's going to be like, hey, just don't do that anymore. There's hints of it all over our country, but it's, it's going to come here too, unless something changes. I'm not saying it's a guarantee. I'm saying that's the way it looks like we're heading. That's not prophetic. That's just paying attention. So we have to know beforehand. I mean, the disciples had decided beforehand when they said, stop saying that name. And the disciples said, we can't obey. I have to obey God. I have to obey God. I have to obey God. I've got to speak. I've got to speak the name. You know that song, Speak the Name? Speak the name. Felicia can probably sing it. I can't. <laughs> Speak the name. Be ready to declare the name of Jesus. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Don't, don't, be, don't be intimidated. I'm encouraging you today to, to step out and declare God's praises in the world. We need, I mean, there's something good that happens when you're, when you're declaring the name of Jesus. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 9. We're starting Acts chapter 9, and we have been talking about barriers being broken down in the kingdom. And so a few weeks ago, we talked about the barriers between the generations being broken down. And the answer, of course, is the fullness of the Spirit. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will, what is it? Young men will dream dreams. Your old men will see visions. Or is it the other way around? I'm, I'm just losing it right now. One of those things. <laughs> Whichever age you are, you'll see the right one. <laughs> but the point was, it wasn't about, hey, only old men dream dreams or only young men see visions. The point was, is that everyone is going to be coming together as one, as the people of God. And God, the Holy Spirit, is going to be moving through them from the youngest to the oldest. That was the point. Male and female, uh, you know, young and old. Black and white and brown and all the other different colors that we can have. We're all going to be together as the people. We're all going to be one as, as the people of God. And so the first barrier was the, was the barrier of the generations. Last week we talked about like the, the breaking of the barrier between the priests and the people of God. That there is now no longer a barrier between, you know, the clergy or the man of God or this, or the one who has been called by God to a, a spiritual vocation as there was in the Old Testament. That's been broken down. It says now everybody, hey, you're all the priests of God. You're a royal priesthood, you're a holy nation, you're a people belonging to God who called you out of darkness into His wonderful life, and so now you're the ministers. Guess what? You're a minister. If you're a believer in Jesus, I'm not the minister, I'm just one of them. You're a minister now. You get to minister to God, which is maybe one of your most important things. That's what we were doing this morning. You're like, how can you minister to God? You worship Him, you praise Him, you give Him what He's due, you, you are 
making an offering of your life unto him. That's what the priests did, right? They would minister to God. They would offer the offerings. They would make sure the offerings were going 24-7. They would keep the fire burning. And so now it's our job to continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit and allow his fire to burn in us and to keep his praise and make it glorious. So that's what we looked at this week. So today we're going to look at the next. We've been kind of going through the book of Acts, just seeing what God does and how he breaks down barriers and different barriers that have been broken. So we're going to look at the account today of a man named Ananias and Saul. And so to catch you up to speed, the church is birthed in Acts 2. And then in Acts 3, uh, and there's 3,000 people added to the church. It's an amazing revival. And then in Acts 3, Peter and John go to the temple. They heal uh, the lame man. He gets up, he's been lame, he's been unable to walk, he's been disabled and paralyzed his whole life. Uh, and, and so he's healed and they begin to declare the praises of God and more people are coming to Jesus. And that's when they get arrested and then they're told, can you just stop doing that? <laughs> stop doing that. And so they, you know, they have a little bit of resistance. So they go back and they pray again and it says God fills their life again. They're filled with the Holy Spirit again. It's not a one-time deal. Um, and so then last week as we talked about uh, in Acts chapter 6, there was an, the first problem in the church. Not the last, just the first. <laughs> it's not going to be the last one. There's going to be problems. So like I said last week, look around at the person next to you. They might cause a problem, okay? Just look around. They could cause a problem. Look, there's, we're going to cause problems. That's why Jesus said, hey, guess what? You get to forgive 70 times 7 times in one day. <laughs> one day. 490 times. Man, even the worst people, I haven't had to forgive that many times in a day. So he's talking about continuous forgiveness. So they lay their hands on several people and they release them and they start seeing signs and wonders and miracles too. God's doing all kinds of amazing stuff through Stephen and Philip. They're also feeding people and doing their job apparently. We don't know about that, but apparently they did that. Uh, what they were supposed to do to make sure the food was distributed equally. And then Stephen stands up before everybody and he is the first Christian martyr. He's the first one that is killed for his faith. He's just one of the, he's not one of the apostles. He's one of the guys that was appointed just to distribute the food. So he's a servant. But he spoke of the name of Jesus. He wouldn't shut up. And they killed him for it. And so what happens is a great, a great persecution comes out on the people of God. So they're, they're running for their lives. It says they're leaving town. As they're leaving town, they're telling people about Jesus. Um, and so then there's one key figure who is against them. His name is Saul. And so Saul is like the number one Pharisee and he is, he is, he is convinced that the Christians are totally wrong. He is convinced that they are lying about God, that they are lying about the Messiah, and he has hate for them, and he is so hateful toward them that he, it says he begins to, you know, get permission to drag people from their homes and take them to prison, and eventually people will start getting killed. Uh, it's just, it's just horrific. And so Saul's doing all this stuff, and then what happens is Saul, he's, he, he's not satisfied with just Jerusalem. I mean, he's, he's taking care of his city. So then he says, I'm going to go to another city and find the Christians there and come after them there. I mean, that's some serious hate right there. I mean, when you are leaving your home to go get somebody, I mean, that's, that's some serious issues, right? I mean, that's some, 
That's, you need some therapy or something, right? I mean, when you go out of your way to hate somebody, it's one thing when you get, when you just react and you're like, ah, you know, and something happens. But man, this guy was like, I'm going to take a trip. My vacation is going to be full of hate. I'm just going to go hate on people. Yeah, I'm going to travel to other places and just spread hate. It's like, wow. That's where, I just want to, we got to realize where Saul was. That's, that's where he was. He is so consumed with rage and hate towards these, these people of God, these followers of Jesus, that he is traveling to search them out and destroy them. But, there's a, there's a but here. Jesus has other plans for his life. Isn't that so awesome? I mean, it's so amazing. We, we, for those of us that are reading the Bible for years, like my whole life, you know, and hearing the stories, we sometimes, you know, I'm just trying to bring back a little bit of, even for myself, man, this is the worst guy possible that God can think of. He says, guess what? This is the guy I'm going to use to change the world. If he can do that with hate, imagine what he can do with love. If he was willing to travel for hate... How much more would he be willing to travel even farther for love? And so Saul encounters Jesus on the road. He doesn't know it's Jesus, but he knows it's God. And he says, who are you, Lord? And the Lord says, I'm Jesus. (laughs) Let me clear this up for you. You think you're following God and you're against Jesus? I'm Jesus. Hi. And just to, just to make the point clear, Saul couldn't see anymore. He was blind. He was blinded by this brightness of the presence of God. I mean, it was the glory of God that he was seeing, the glory of, of Jesus, I believe. And it was like, you know, he had to be blinded from that. And so I want us to pick up here. So that's what's just happened. So in verse 10, we're in verse 10. Acts chapter 9, verse 10. So in Damascus, remember that's where he was going, there was a disciple named Ananias. So it's a follower of Jesus. And the Lord called to him in a vision. He must be a young man or an old man, whichever one that is, right? (laughs) Ananias. Young, right? Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. And the Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision... He has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on what? Your name. Notice that even then, the name of Jesus was what it was all about. The vague, random God didn't cause a, a problem. When they mentioned, hey, we're, we're followers of Jesus, the Messiah, that's when they got in trouble. And so, rightfully so, right? Can we give Ananias a break here? Right? I mean, if God comes to you and says, I want you to go find the most, you're going to go to the most hateful person right now, and you're going to go pray for them. The, the most God-opposing person that you know. The, the most person that is as far away from God as you can imagine. 
and who is violent and who has, you know, tendencies to cause harm to, to people's lives, go, you go to him. You go. I mean, here's the deal. Ananias was just a regular dude. We don't, he only shows up here. We don't hear anything else about, he was, all he, all we know about him is he's a disciple of Jesus. We don't know. He may have just been a, the regular guy and he just happened to hear God and God's like, you go do this. He's like, that guy? That guy? But here, pick it up. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So there's the calling of Saul, who of course later becomes Paul, if you weren't aware of that. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, and placing his hands on Saul, he said, first word is very important here, he said, Brother Saul. Right there. I mean, Ananias is bought into God's, God's vision for Saul. Did you see that right there? He's not just, he's not even obeying like, okay, God, I know it's you, so I'm just going to do it. He, he's, he's bought in and said, I'm going to do this. This is God. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to stand, I'm going to, I'm going to join in. So when he speaks to him, the first thing he says is, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared here, oh wait, uh, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. And Saul becomes exactly who God calls him to be. He becomes the Apostle Paul. He writes half the New Testament. He's the first Christian missionary that goes all over the place. That is just the the leader. He's planting churches all over the known Roman world at that time. And probably one of the most key figures in all of history. Yet Ananias was the one who prayed for him. Who we know nothing about. Other than his name is Ananias and he did this one day. That's it. That's all we know. I mean, man, when we get to heaven, Ananias, he's going to be sitting on something. We're going to be like, oh, there's Ananias' house. Look at that. <laughs> he, I know who he is. He prayed. I don't know how heaven's going to work, but he, he, he prayed for Saul who became Paul. And so he had, he had to overcome some barriers. And so there are, there, there are like three key barriers. And here's the deal. The overcoming of this barrier came by listening to the voice of God and obeying it. That was the key to the, the barrier being broken in this case. Uh, the first barrier is this. The barrier of, of loving his enemies. Jesus said something about that, Right? I, I kind of remember that. Can we put that one on the screen? We don't have to turn there. This is Matthew 5, verses 43 and 48. It's probably the last scripture on there. I think. There it is. is do I have verse 43? 
Oh, I put in the wrong one. Okay, let's just turn in the scripture. That's the... Oh, there it is. <laughs> yes. Okay, this is Jesus. He said, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. What does it go? If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? In other words, don't, doesn't anybody love those who love them? And if you greet only your own people or your friends, what, do you, what are you doing more than others? Don't even pagans or people who don't believe in God are doing that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And so Jesus calls them to a higher standard, and Ananias experiences the calling to a higher standard by having to walk in obedience to something that God is calling him to. I don't know who your enemies are. Or who you might think is your enemy. That's a human, okay? We're still standing against the devil, okay? Just to clear that up, the enemy. <laughs> we're, we're standing against, you know, the, the powers of darkness and all his friends. Uh, that, that's still the enemy. That's not who he's saying love. He's saying, when you have someone who's opposing you, who's in opposition to you, break down the barrier by loving them. That's what Ananias did. Saul was his enemy. I mean, Saul was out to get Ananias. Saul came exactly for the people like Ananias to bring harm to their lives. And Ananias breaks the barrier of reaching out to his enemies by an encounter with Jesus and hearing the voice of God and and loving this man, Saul. Loving him enough to say, I'm going to go. I'm going to declare truth over him. I'm going to say, you're my brother. You know, one of the other barriers is this, the barrier of fear. The barrier of fear. Ananias, I mean, the first thing that had to happen when Ananias was called to do this is it says he was gripped by fear. I think he was being honest, like, God, that guy is dangerous. He's coming to kill us. And so the barrier of fear had to be broken. And again, it was broken by listening to the voice of God. God's, God's going to lead you to confront your fears. Sorry. <laughs> he loves you enough to say, I want you to meet up with that thing so that I can show you that I'm greater. So whatever that fear is, I don't know what that is in your life. Uh, maybe fear of just talking to a stranger. I mean, we have fears of, you know doing all kinds of things in public, right? I mean, isn't public speaking like one of the biggest fears of people? Uh, I mean, here's the... No, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to do that. So, I mean, there's, there's, there, people are afraid of all kinds of interesting things. Did you just know that? I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go on the tangent. My wife is, she, she, she's got it like a little button. It just, it, it just, she did the shock collar. It's my belt, okay? <laughs> I've got a shock belt on. There's a little button here under the first chair. It's not true. <laughs> it's not true. Uh, Don refused to put it on, but uh, <laughs> I said, "Here, brother, here, put this little pack on." <laughs> He's like, "No, no, I know what that is." So, no. So anyway, the people are we're afraid of all kinds of stuff, right? There's some of them are little, but some of them are big. 
I mean, sometimes the little ones get really big. You know, they can control our lives. I mean, they can stop us from doing things. And God says, I want to, I want to break that barrier of fear in your life. I want, I want you to not have that stop you from doing what I've called you to do. I mean, Ananias, you know, I mean, he did one of the greatest things that could be done in history. I mean, I'm sure he did other things. They're just not written down in the Bible. But here is his moment where God is saying, I've called you. And Ananias, look, he's not super special. He's just a follower of Jesus who said yes to God. And we're the same way. God's going to come to us and say, hey, you know that thing? (laughs) You know that thing? You're like, not that thing, God. (laughs) What thing? I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) La, 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 la. I'm going to worship. I'm going to sing a worship song right now. I didn't hear you. (laughs) Oh, whatever your your way of avoiding God is. He's going to keep calling out to you and say, no, we're, we're going to, we're going to go there. We're going to see this barrier torn down. You know, and, and the people of God, you know, we, we have to be careful that right now in, in our culture that we don't allow the barrier of fear to stop us from speaking the truth. Because there is going to be, there's a lot more opposition than there used to be. And, uh, you know, Jesus is not surprised by it. I mean, he told his disciples, look, everybody's going to hate you. <laughs> I mean, what, Hey, that's not one of the promises of God we hang on the wall, is it? But it's a promise of God. (laughs) There's lots of promises in the Bible that aren't in the promise books, okay? And I'm not saying you should quote that, but hey, it's a promise. He says, hey, guess what? All men are going to hate you because of me. In other words, he wasn't saying really literally that all people are going to hate you. He's going to say, look, if they hated me and you're walking in my name, they're going to hate you. They're they're going to come against you. Uh, Religious people, non-religious people. You know, people of different cultures, people of your own culture, they're, they're going to hate you. What are you going to do? Are you going to shrink back? Are we going to shrink back as the people of God and just go hide and say, Jesus, come back soon. Take care of all these crazy people. Or are we going to say, no, I'm going to stand up. And I'm going to face my fears. I'm going to hear the voice of God and what he's telling me to get. Again, this is not going rogue. This is not going out there and saying, Fighting hate with hate, you know, as, as Martin Luther King Jr. says, you can't, you can't beat hate with hate. Only love can beat hate. Only love can conquer hate. And so we, we've got to go in love. We've got to go with being sent by God. Ananias wasn't just like, oh, Saul's coming to town. I'm going to go pray for him. We're not, go, we're not being spiritual rogues where we're on our own agenda. We're on our own plan where we're, we're just going to do our own thing. No, we're, we're following the voice of God. And so we have to learn to continue to hear the voice of God. And the third barrier is this, before we move on to one part and we close, is this. It's the barrier of unbelief. And I think that, you know, sometimes, you know, there's those, those people that you just are around that you go, they could never, they could never receive Jesus. Right? I mean, come on, let's be honest. Don't, don't, don't give me the church answer. <laughs> no, everybody can be saved, brother. <laughs> I think it too. You're like, oh man, I don't know about them, God. <laughs> I mean, that's who Saul was. Saul was one of those ones that are just going, man, I believe for everybody else but him. <laughs> All things are possible for God except for this one person. Wow. <laughs> I mean, we have those people that are just unreachable. I still remember, I know I've told this story before. 
years ago, my dad, my dad grew up with this man who is my, uh, his dad, my grandpa, grandfather's friend, and he was just like the, the worst mouth guy and the most, you know, just the, the most crude and rude and out there guy. Uh, I mean, he was a friendly guy, but he was just so far away from God, just, you know, you would think this is a guy that's, you know, he, he would talk bad about, you know, Christians and people in church, you know, he would ridicule people kind of, you know, hey, you're going to follow that, you sissy, and whatever other words he used and stuff. And so years later, it was like my dad found out that this guy, I know his name, I'm just not going to say it just to not dishonor him, but uh, his name, his name was, first name was Ray. So he's like, Ray came to Jesus. Ray got saved. And he said, man, I, I never thought... I, I never thought that he would be one that would give his heart to Jesus. And so sometimes we, we need to have that barrier broken down where we, we don't see with our own perspective that says, that looks impossible. I mean, we're going to minister to people where their situation looks impossible, and we just have to declare all things are possible with God, and we have to just do what we're called to do. It's not our job to... To, to deliver them. It's not our job to free them. Our job is simply do what God has called us to do. How has He called you to love them? How has He called you to serve them? When He says stop, you stop. But when you're sent by God, you can be guaranteed that something is happening. There's, he doesn't send you just, hey, I just want to practice around here. Practice. <laughs> this is a drill. <laughs> you know, No, there's no drills in the kingdom. He just says, we're just going to go ahead and do it. The drill is real. He said, this is real. You're still practicing. You're still going to get better. And you're going to learn to hear the voice of God better. But you're going to go and you're going to, you're going to break the barrier by hearing the voice of God and obeying it. So you're going to step out in things. You gave that word a few weeks ago, Spencer, about stepping out. And so, look, you have to step out and say, God, what are you calling me to do? And find out and be willing. And then when he, you, you sense his... Is leading in your heart. You get maybe a thought in your head, or you get a, a just a just a sense right here, kind of in your spirit, and you're like drawn to something, and you know it's not like natural. You know it's it's not going to make you feel good. It might make you feel uncomfortable. Hey, it might be God. Uh, it's the good uncomfortable, not the bad uncomfortable. You know what I'm talking about? There's the bad uncomfortable when you're about to do something bad. You know what I'm talking about where you go, yeah, I probably shouldn't do this. I'm feeling bad, but I'm getting close to it. No, that's not that one. It's, it's the other one where you're like, ooh, that's really good, and I'm really uncomfortable with it, but that's probably God leading me to do that. And you step out, and you break through the barrier by hearing the voice of God and obeying Him. You know, there's a great famous encounter about hearing the voice of God uh, that, that I, I feel like I had a fresh revelation on. I want to close with that. Um, today, and it's the the account of Elijah on the mountain. So I want you to, if you want to go in your Bible to First uh, Kings nineteen. Okay, so First Kings nineteen. If you, uh, and this is man, it's amazing. I encourage you to to read read the Bible to your kids if you still got kids at home, uh, or if they want to come by and they're adults, you can still read Bible to them. But um, I've had it doesn't happen all the time. But every once in a while, I'm reading the Bible to my children, and I'm like, 
God shows me something. It's happened with the children's Bible, uh, and it's happened now that we're on the regular Bibles with Evan and Kai. And so this is actually one just that we've been going through Elijah and his life, and it was just something I never, never thought of or never seen. So just to set the, set the context here really quick, Elijah is a prophet of God, and he is prophesying to an evil king. He is to, named Ahab, whose wife is named Jezebel. Um, and he has this amazing encounter with uh, the prophets of a false god called Baal or Baal. And they have a contest on the mountain. And they say, okay, we're just going to pray. And whichever god sends fire from heaven, he's the real god. And of course, only Yahweh, who become, who's you know, Jesus, the one true god, uh, is... <laughs> is the one true God. He sends fire from heaven and they go, okay, Baal is not it. And so Elijah has this great victory and then the queen, who is Jezebel, who we've heard that term many times even if we don't know the Bible story, it doesn't sound good. Um, And she says, Elijah, I'm going to kill you. And so Elijah says, Elijah's just had a great victory and he says, "Uh uh-oh. And he runs and he says, oh, God, save me. <laughs> She's going to kill me. <laughs> and uh, let's not blame Elijah too much because, you know, we've run from things too. He has a great victory, so he runs. And so he comes to this 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 lake uh, area, this river. Um, and he just says, God, I just want to die. He falls into like a depression or just dis- despondency and discouragement. And so an angel meets him and gives him supernatural. says, wake up and feeds him supernaturally. He goes back to sleep and the angel wakes him up and says, wake up, Elijah. And, and he feeds him bread again. He has a drink from the brook, it says. And then it says, from that, from that meal, he travels uh, 40 days and 40 nights until he reaches Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night. So we're in 1 Kings 19 and verse 9. So that's, that's the context here. You, I want you to know that most people believe, because it says the mountain of God, that Mount Horeb and Mount Sinai are the same place. Most people believe that. I mean, there's a few people that don't. There's, there's no, we haven't found and identified all that stuff yet. Uh, so... But most scholars in the Bible say, and there's also the, de- you know, I think the, the designation here where it says the mountain of God. It's kind of like for the people there, they knew what the mountain of God was. And so that's where Elijah is. So the mountain of God, of course, is where Moses first met God and the Ten Commandments and the glory of God comes down and there's all this stuff happening. That's, that's that mountain. That's Exodus 19 through 34. Uh, so the word of the Lord came to Elijah. What are you doing here, Elijah? In verse 10, he said, he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with a sword, and I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Okay. <laughs> And the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. 
but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper or a still small voice. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? <laughs> you just got, if God asked you the same question twice, don't give him the same answer, okay? <laughs> you, 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 it was minus one the first time, okay? Just, just a little freebie. So Elijah replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God <laughs> I think the Bible is just sometimes, they put it in here to just make us laugh and go, yep, Elijah was just like us, okay? The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars. God, everybody's against me. I'm the only one left. And the Lord said to him, Go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel, king over Aram. Anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Haziel. Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet, in other words, there's going to be victory. God's bringing his victory through that. Yet, I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. In other words, just a little tagline at the end. Elijah, you're not the only one. There's 7,000 others. That's just in Israel. Not in, there's Judah as well. So, but he was in Israel. So he, here's the deal. So he follows the voice of God. But, but here's, here's, the, here's the revelation I got as I was reading this passage to, to my son was this. If this is the same mountain where Moses got the Ten Commandments, what was God doing? What happened to the mountain when God showed up the first time? And I think it's a lesson in discernment for us. When Moses goes on the mountain, you can look at this. In, this starts around Exodus 19. And it, it's also talked about in Hebrews 12, verses 18 to like 23, where it talks about what's happening on the mountain. It says, guess what? There's a lot of the same things that Elijah experienced on the mountain. And they were God. It says there was a fire that came down. It says the mountain was shaking. Earthquake, anybody? It says in Hebrews there was a storm. If there's a storm, there's probably some wind. It says so that all these crazy things are happening on the mountain the first time when Moses goes there. But this time, all those things, the shaking, the fire, the wind, the earthquake, it's not God this time. You can't rely on the same thing happening every time you hear God. Hey, this is the way it's always been, God. This is what you do. When we get on the mountain, the fire comes and that's you. And, and then the wind comes and that's you. And the mountain's shaking and that's you. There's God. He's doing something right here. This time that wasn't God. It says the Lord was not in any of those things. And I just wonder, I submit this to you, I wonder if God was testing Elijah's discernment of his own voice. 
Because we can't get stuck in doing the same thing we did before. God says, I want something fresh with you. I want something current with you. I want something now with you. I want you not to just go off what you've known in the past. I want you to know with what I am saying now. What did Jesus say? I live on every word. My bread is the food of every word that comes from the mouth of God, that proceeds from the mouth of God. Not just what He's already been doing in the past, but what He is saying right now. And I believe that, that the Lord will give us discernment. He said, my sheep will hear my voice, that you won't get stuck in just following the religious pattern. To me, that's what that represents, is you can get stuck and just do, okay, this is the way I prayed last time. This is the way it's happened last time. I'm just going to go back to last time. There was the fire and the wind and the earthquake, and that was God. But this time, it might not be God. Because I have to hear what God's saying this time and not rely on last time. Because it's a relationship. I have a relationship with, with Jesus. I have a relationship with the Father through Jesus by the Holy Spirit who is indwelling me if I'm a child of God. If I've given my heart to Jesus, I now have the ability to have an interaction with Him. And He's calling me to break through barriers. Hey, the barrier may not be as big as Saul. There's only a few Sauls that become Pauls in the world. I mean, somebody led Billy Graham to Jesus. You know, somebody led Martin Luther to Jesus. Somebody led all the, you know, great men and women of God. Some, somebody leads them, you know, but not, but sometimes Jesus just needs someone to lead me, to lead you, to lead your family. Doesn't matter how the breakthrough, what, what the breakthrough looks like. It's that the barrier is being broken and I'm obeying the voice of God to see breakthrough in my life. To see breakthrough in someone else's life. To see breakthrough in the kingdom of God and what he's doing in my city, in my neighborhood, in my workplace, in my family, wherever it is that he's working at the moment. So can we, can we just close in prayer? And just, just, I'm just believing that God right now is just going to release a fresh discernment to hear his voice. Why don't we stand up, change positions a little bit. You're all probably tired of sitting anyway. I'm tired of standing, but you're tired of sitting. So he's just going to, let's just ask God for a fresh, maybe it's been hard for you to discern the voice of God. And you're like, it's kind of like, man, I, I can hear the earthquake, I can hear the shaking and all this stuff, but I can't hear the still small voice for some reason. And I believe just God would just like to unlock the speaking voice to you today. Just kind of put your put your hand on your heart or something, just some kind of response, just a, p- a point of contact to say, Lord, we just want to hear from you. Lord, I want to hear from you better. We need to hear your voice. Lord, we need discernment. Lord, we need to be discerning the voice of God. We don't want to be stuck in, you know, some old thing. Lord, it's an old way of doing things, some religious uh Practice, Lord, we want to be fresh with you, God. And so I, th- I thank you, Lord, for fresh discernment being released to the people of God this morning. Lord, we are thankful that we can interact with you. Lord, we are thankful that you've given us authority. We are thankful that we can declare in the name of Jesus we're going to hear the voice of God. And we just, I just thank you for anybody who has had a block, Lord, 
no matter what it is, that there be, there's a spiritual haze over somebody that just, that just needs to be broken in the name of Jesus right now. I, I, I just declare that that will be broken in your life. That there will be, there will be like your, your senses are suddenly clear. Your spiritual senses are clear in the name of Jesus. Lord, those who are just like confused, Lord, I just pray for an end of confusion right now. No more confusion. No more confusion about the voice of God. Lord, we just ask that we would continue to hear your voice better. We would recognize when you're speaking to us. God, And we just thank you for the boldness that we can go and do what you've called us to do. Lord, whether it's speak, whether it's pray, whether it's be quiet, whether it's go to another city, whatever it is, God, we want to do what you have called us to do. We want to be the people that are obedient to the voice of God, and we're going to see breakthroughs happen. We're going to see the barriers torn down in people's lives. Lord, where there's been a wall of unbelief and where there's been a wall of fear in our lives, we're going to see those walls be torn down in Jesus' name. If that's you, if you struggle with fear right now, I'm praying for you. Just lift up your hands to God. Everybody, eyes closed. In the name of Jesus, we just come against fear that would stop any of these sons and daughters of the king from being who they are called to be, from doing what you've called them to do, from hearing your voice, God. Fear, you have no hold. We just thank you right now that you've not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Holy Spirit, you are the one that breaks us free right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We just honor you today, Lord. We honor you today that we can be in your presence and declare the name of Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Well, give somebody a hug before you go. If you need prayer, come on up. We got Pray For Me on Wednesday. Just remember that we, anybody who has kids, students of any age in high school, down through elementary school, make sure we get them here on Wednesday.